Welcome to the Writing Block Podcast, where we talk all things writing and indie publishing. Today's episode is our first official episode in which we talk about our writing processes and struggles. We also power through some minor technical difficulties, lose carry along the way, and discuss a little bit of everything, including the value of owning a pet writing goat. You'll see what I mean at the end. For more information, visit writingblock.com. That's writingblocknok.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Writing Block Podcast. I am Michael Hayes, and we've got five of us here today. Um, we have Jackie Castle, Christopher Lee, Carrie Dubiel, and Becca Spence-Tobias. So if you all want to say hi. Hello. <laughs> good to be here. How are you today, Michael? Good. Good. I'm happy to be doing this again. This is awesome. You guys are fantastic. Uh, these are the five of the main six, uh, Robert Batten being the sixth, who are running this thing called Writing Block. And so we thought we'd just tell everybody first a little bit about ourselves and and why we're doing this Writing Block thing. So I guess I will go ahead and start this out. So I'm Michael Hayes, and uh, I'm a writer. I'm happy to say that now. Of course, normally I am an ER nurse and a father, and I do a bunch of other things, but I write. I write stories, I write poems, I write children's books, I write short stories. I just have a lot of fun with it, and um, I helped form this big community just to get us indie writers less afraid and more talking and happier talking about our craft. And right now, my only publication is a short story named called Cedric, and it's in the previous anthology writing block just published in January called Escape. I can plug that later, but that's basically me. I love getting all these writers together. I love talking to all these writers and and these four other people on here. I would definitely call my friends. We have done a lot in a year with writing block, and we hope that you all will join us and feed off our great energy. We are enthusiastic people. Yes, um, we're enthusiastic. Lies. And some of us are even <laughs> published, like Jackie. Jackie, tell us about yourself. All right. Well, my name is Jackie Castle. Newly published, September. So, yay. I got into the club a little bit. Yay. Making room. Um, I've been a professional writer for about 12 years. So I mostly do content writing, a little bit of journalism locally in my town of Asheville, North Carolina. But fiction is completely new to me. So I just started writing fiction about three years ago and uh, don't know if I'll ever go a day without it now. And um, my first book was published in September of 2018 called The Seclusion. Uh, it's a sci-fi dystopian and working on two others at the moment right now. And then also still uh, have a career as a freelance content writer. And it works out very nicely for me because I can kind of um, juggle my time between the two. So I'm very fortunate in that way. I am ecstatic to be part of this amazing and inspiring group of people that we have formed here. I think that uh, one of the hardest things about being self-employed um, and a freelancer for so long is that it can be a pretty solitary um, career. And so to find some people that are, are looking to make connections and help build each other up and don't really view the writing industry as competitive, but a industry where we can all really help each other is um, been a wonderful addition to my life. So thank you all. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Ja Jackie, we'll, we'll talk more about the fact that your fiction, your writing is quickly becoming nonfiction. But... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm processing that daily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about Carrie? Carrie, tell us about yourself. Carrie. Carrie is a public librarian in Northeast Ohio, currently sitting in my library in the creative lab where I like to do these podcasts because it's soundproof and my children are at home. <laughs> 
And you can play your bassoon. I can play my bassoon in here, although it is it is loud. <laughs> it is loud. I have been writing since I was in third grade, but semi-professionally for probably about 15 years, maybe. And I have a couple of short stories, probably like six or seven published in different anthologies and a couple of different books kind of in the works. And I was on the Sisters in Crime board, which is the a large association of mystery writers. And so that's kind of where most of my publishing and writing experience comes from that I've met a lot of really cool people that way. That's basically it. And by cool people, you kind of also mean uh, very humbly uh, a lot of industry professionals, too. <laughs> you're, you're a big source of uh, insider info, but you're also very humble about it, I've noticed. Well, these guys, these people that I, that I happen to know, I mean, it's funny how writing many of us kind of like build up authors. Like they're like, authors are amazing because we know how much work they do. And yet the general public has no idea who you're talking about when you talk about them. Like I met Heather Graham one time and everybody was like, whoa, Heather Graham. Wow. And my husband was like, who is that? Who is that lady? Like, I think, did I mention that on the last podcast? Maybe. I may have. But honestly, that's that's part of why I, I find uh, the prospect of being an author full time incredibly intriguing. And, and you have a chance to kind of be only a select group of people, celebrity, and you can still grocery shop. I, right. It is interesting. <laughs> it's, well, and I have friends. Like, I think I mentioned this last time. I have friends who are just like trying to be the next big thing. And you're like, what really is the next big thing in writing? You know, is it is it Gillian Flynn? Is it James Patterson who, you know, is on every back cover of every book? Or I don't know. Maybe we're the be- next best big thing. You, Maybe you it's know us. Yeah. It could be us. It is us. It is. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. So why don't you tell us about yourself, Chris? Oh, well, that's simple. (laughs) It all started on a dark and stormy night in 1985. The wind was whipping through the trees. We're the same age. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're good. You're good. You're good. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, where do I start? I'm an indie author extraordinaire, author of two published <laughs> books, uh, a couple of short stories, and about 259 unfinished novels. Amen. Amen. I'll be playing the comedic relief in this podcast. <laughs> I'm also a life coach, a Reiki master. I do copywriting. I teach meditation. And I drive Uber just because it gets me a new car. That can't be an easy job. It's the easiest monkey job ever. Okay. I guess I'm just thinking because I I work ER, so I I get people Ubered to the ER. Here's the thing. Uh, You don't drive at nighttime. Ah, there you go. Mm -hmm. That that probably does help a lot because, yeah. That's that's how I learned that there's like cleanup fees. Uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly why I don't drive like that. Some some poor like stranger, you know, like is is just dragging this guy in or something from their Uber. Like I just Ubered him in, not to go clean up my car. <laughs> <laughs> that stinks. Back up. Yeah. Hi. Hi. I get kind of nervous with like round robin kind of things, like when you're new at college and you have to like sit in a circle and then tell people about yourself i hate that because then you're just sitting there (laughs) waiting for your turn and thinking about what you're gonna say so what's your favorite color turquoise (laughs) (laughs) um so i i guess to most people i look like a stay-at-home mom because i am at home with my kids all day most of the time 
Uh, but I do a bunch of stuff on the side. I'm a tinker garden leader. So I lead outdoor play classes for little kids at our house, which is really fun. Um, I also occasionally teach childbirth classes and I'm a birth doula. So I go help people have babies. And then I'm a writer and I've been a writer like forever, as long as I can remember. My dad was a writer. Uh, he wrote poetry. And so I always kind of thought that, you know, my dad's cool. I want to do what he does. Uh, my first published thing, I was 10 and I had a poem in Girls Life magazine. And I was an editor for my school newspapers in middle school, high school and college. I did some freelance journalism stuff in college too. Uh, I have some academic things published, but I'm currently on my third rewrite for my first novel, which I guess this is new news. I haven't told you guys about it. It's probably going to be called On Home rather than Rock of Ages. We're changing the title. I, I know you've had the normal emotional things we all go through um, when you come across like editing changes and all these big things and outside criticism. But uh, you've always struck me as somebody who just still, you know, head down, eyes on your paper, get back to work. Yeah, I've, I'm very self-motivated. So I guess that helps with the working from home thing too. And I guess it's important as a as an indie author to have that kind of direction. I think it's kind of what makes us all work well together though too, is that we're all kind of, I, th I know we've said it before, we're like each the person in a group project that would have taken the lead and made the project happen, but it's six of us. So I see that in all of you guys. It's always been very kind of natural. And like I mentioned in the little teaser thing, it was just something where, uh, you know, I keep getting all this credit for founding this. And it's like, I just, I, I, I guess I'm good at recognizing good people. I'll take credit for that. Because uh, after that, it was uh, after I got all of us together, it was, it was just a very natural migration of people into their roles. And, um, you know, Becca, you, you really kicked ass getting like, ah, let's just put a book together. You knew that we'd all be writers and get everybody together. And that's that's just it. And I think that's uh, that's what's awesome about this, especially you guys. You know, we all have our huge strengths. And uh, I think for a lot of the people listening who are writers and wondering, you know, what business do these people have talking to us about what to do? And we aren't talking about what uh -huh. to do. It's just kind of actually more of just how to how motivation and playing to your strengths is just kind of essential. <laughs> Well, if you don't want to take credit for founding, Michael, you know, I'll just go ahead and raise my hand. <laughs> well, I'll warn you ahead of time. The money isn't great. I've, um, I was never, never in this for the money. <laughs> it's for the fame. Well, I think that's something that's kind of cool about, Lots of fame. about Lots how this of fame. group emerged too. It's not like you said, okay, now Jackie, you're going to do this. Carrie, you're going to do this. It's really about whoever wanted to participate. We really just kind of stepped into those roles. And the more we participated, the more we became part of it. Exactly. And we all have a lot of overlap and strengths, which is nice. Some of us are stronger in other things, but then there might be somebody else who has mm -hmm. just kind of a helper able to help the person who's the main who does the main job. So it's been very natural. Yeah, because Becca, I think something you do, but you haven't mentioned is you've also had experience helping small businesses get set up. Yeah. So I used to be a consultant with a firm called LF Leadership, and we did strategic planning and coaching with, um, with mostly nonprofits, but also some small businesses. And that's kind of how I learned the strategic planning process. But I've been, I've worked with nonprofits for a long time before I had kids. So Becca, like, is huge with getting everybody together and organized uh, and also making sure we're on task. Uh, Carrie is uh, is our ear to the ground as far as everything to do with writing. Um, 
the literary side, editing. She's our big time editor for all of our works. Uh, Chris has got lots of strengths also at editing and design. He designed our cover for our last the anthology for Escape. Uh, Jackie seems to be <laughs> our uh, our main marketing guru. Um, she's just she'll get like thousands of followers on Twitter. No big deal. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little crazy. And I'm here if anybody uh, gets hurt because I'm a nurse. <laughs> That's right. And and we got a shout out to Robert. And we'll have to do a, a 2 a.m. podcast one day for him. Yeah. Because uh, he's on the other side of the world. Yeah, he's he's an awesome, awesome guy. Uh, he's he's over in Tasmania. Uh, he's our Tasmanian devil. And, <laughs> That's wonderful. But he, he's, he's a fabulous, fabulous guy and uh, working on his own book. Uh, Blood Capital. I know he's been through a lot of heavy edits with that, but it's it's going to be amazing. But also, he he does uh, everything with like information technology. He's our software guy. He helps making sure our our website is not struggling for everybody to load and it's safe for everybody to visit. Yeah. <laughs> and have you looked at his LinkedIn? It's kind of intimidating. Yeah, and he wears a like he actually wears a suit. Uh, well, not like it. <laughs> he he actually wears a blazer. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, he's he's got to be professional. <laughs> That's the bar. That's the bar. The blazer. <laughs> I picked a job where I can wear pajamas to work. Nice. We call them scrubs. I'm in my literal pajamas and have been all day. <laughs> no, he's he's a fantastic guy. I, I really can't believe uh, we've, we've got this core group together and then just the community. That's all on Facebook and everything. But but here we are. That's right. And. <laughs> We talk about writing. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Nah. <laughs> let's keep talking about ourselves. Yeah, I can't write anything. Right I'm so tired. So, who wants to start? Who's who's really happy with your writing process? Right? Well, those are two <laughs> different questions. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Called out. I'm happy to talk about mine, but it's it's still a giant disaster. Um, I'm definitely <laughs> a a pantser to a complete fault in that I, uh, I I write by the scene, and so I write scenes as they come to me, and then I'm left with this giant just mess of a story that I'm trying to piece together. Um, so I have one scene over here, and then one over here, and they're not connected at all. So I have to figure out how to get my characters from A to B, and then on to C. And you know, I. I was hoping that as I moved on to book two and, and three for myself that I would change that a little bit, but I, I haven't at all. Um, so I envision a world in which in which I really am a little more disciplined about outlining. But at the same time, I, I also find that I really do enjoy the puzzle of making it all fit together. So I'm not sure where that leaves me exactly. Well, what's uh, What do you enjoy about being a pantser? And I guess for anybody uh, confused about these NaNoWriMo terms, uh, it just means you just kind of go. You just, you don't plan anything out. You just kind of start writing. You have an idea and you just, you get to the story and just start letting it go. But so what do you like about being a pantser? Um, I think that it, it just flows a little bit better for me. And so, um, you know, I like that I don't have to wait so that if I have a scene, you know, that's in the back of my, my head, I'll just, I'll go ahead and write it. Um, I generally have an idea of the ending of a story um, and the beginning of the story. And then getting from the beginning to the ending is is kind of all up in the air. Um, I also seem to generally have an idea of the theme of my story, at least so far. But yeah, but I, I think I would like to maybe find a middle ground where I'm at least working in a semi-linear fashion with my scenes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that'll save me a little bit of legwork as I, uh, as I go back to um, revising and editing, because I often end up driving myself a little crazy at that point. <laughs> yeah, I, I I am admittedly a pantser most of the time. I think I've got down to like taking notes, 
But I, I think what I've always been attracted to and appreciated with the pantser <laughs> being being somebody who just kind of goes is when when I've outlined things and I've tried, Lord knows I've tried. It's it when I finally get to a scene where I've approached it from this kind of uh, godlike perspective <laughs> where I'm like, this is what everybody's going to do. When I finally get my characters talking and interacting, they don't obey me anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, they kind of just go off and do their own things then. So it just gets kind of frustrating in a weird way because I actually usually end up enjoying that better because it comes more naturally as far as interactions go. So it's hard for me not to be a pantser, but uh, yeah, I've certainly painted myself into a corner with many a story. So yeah, I totally get the the allure of plotting everything. And I think that's how most people perceive writers doing things is that they know what they're doing to begin with. Mm. <laughs> and it's it's not that way for everybody. It really isn't. What about you, Becca? So I've tried lots of different ways of writing. And really, the most success I've had has been starting with kind of a feeling like a like a deep thought, I guess. <laughs> Like, I'll just have this kind of like emotional image or like a scene that is not really plot based. It's more just based in an emotion and it just sticks with me and nags at me until I write it down. And then I start kind of getting more of those. And then when I have several thousand words of those, I kind of read them all and think what kind of plot would tie these together. So that's been most successful for me. I've tried plotting and I've written a couple novels, super outlined and then like totally plotted before I started. And like, I don't even want to go back and edit them. I think they're kind of lame. So I don't think that that (laughs) works so well for me. Um, Short stories. I've written a few short stories now since our anthology. And it's kind of cool how I've had that happen. I usually... I'll start with like a little idea. I'll do a little brainstorming on the theme. I'll write down the words that that I that come to me when I think about that theme. I pick a couple of them that jump out and then like suddenly the story will just come to me. It's kind of awesome. Like it's small enough that I'll just have a story all at once. Like with my deception story that's coming up, I think I told you guys I had the line um Rachel Rose was not like technically Jewish and I just had that line in my head and I was just saying it over and over and then I like woke up and I had the story. I just did that again something I'm submitting to um the Inlandia journal. Uh, they want it all to be Southern Inland California based. And I started writing out. Um, so I'm thinking like freeways, coyotes, suburban moms, whatever. And I picked, I picked, okay, suburban mom, coyote. And like, then the story just came to me, which I'm kind of excited about. So I really like when that happens. Um, but I think for this next novel that I have planned, I'm going to go with the, the grab an emotion, write about it really deeply, and then find a plot that sticks it all together method. That's awesome. That other, what's, what's the publication you just submitted to? The Inlandia Institute. I used to be on the board. It's a nonprofit that um, advances literature and the arts in inland Southern California. And they have a, they have a quarterly journal. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks. The way they announced like the, the elements just kind of reminded me of the story Cedric that I put in the last anthology was the product of this thing that's gotten actually pretty popular, this NYC Midnight um, they have like a short story competition and a flash fiction competition, I think a screenwriting competition, something like that. But uh, Cedric was a part of their short story competition. And the way that goes is that you get put into groups and then they give you um, a profession for your character, a setting and your genre. And then you have X number of days to write a short story. A character had to be an entrepreneur, 
uh, one of the settings had to be a cemetery and the uh, genre had to be fantasy. Oh, cool. And it was cool. I mean, just getting that kind yeah, of. Yeah, maybe I should try that. Because I know they're doing like a flash fiction competition or something like that right now. And that's the same sort of thing. And there were thousands of people in hmm. it. Well, so. Becca, your escape story came from a writing prompt, didn't it? I'm like, what was my. So, oh, yeah. So I did the same it thing. It's like a nun on Facebook. Well, I went to a retreat at the retreat center that it takes place in, but I did the same kind of thing. I wrote down all my associations with escape and I was like, okay, escape, like going to this deer park, the the monastery, um, social media uses an escape. And then I was like, oh shit, what if, oh wait, are we not cursing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I'm marketing. Okay. That shit's good. <laughs> oh shit. What if, what if a nun at the monastery was using social media to escape and it went from there? See, why, why as writers be limited in our language? That's, that's <laughs> right. what I have to say. Not that we need to be swearing up and down, but we'll put a warning on it for those with delicate sensibilities. <laughs> well, good, because otherwise I can't be on here, guys. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I'm currently trying to train my three-year-old son out of swearing, so <laughs> that explains me. So there you go. <laughs> we have things called home words. You know, you, you can only say yes. it at home. Yeah. He actually had this very uh, appropriate interaction with my dog because my my dog one of my dogs molly uh she got to his bowl of goldfish crackers and she finished it and he went to go for the bowl but they were all gone and i said sorry molly ate them all i was tearing the bowl to the sink and he goes ah his shoulders shrug and he goes damn it molly (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome Yeah, I remember my kids doing that. You know what worked really well was to tell them they could say that word and then make up a completely ridiculous word and for just (laughs) say you can say "damn it," but you can't say, you know, whatever it is, and chase them around saying yelling that word over and over again. That's awesome. Really well. Use that. Have to use that. That's. I was like, as long they're a little bit older now, they they know what they're allowed to say at home and and, uh, out and about. No, my my daughter's the opposite. She won't say a swear word to to save her life. Like she actually would not say hickory dickory dock. Oh boy. Yeah, exactly. Like I was like, no, no, dickory is fine. She's like, it's a bad word. I'm like, no, seriously. How did this... anyway? So so Carrie or Chris, whoever wants to go first, what's what's your process? How how do you enjoy approaching writing? Well, it's interesting listening to all of you. Because I think when I started, I was more of a pantser type. I would just kind of go and painted myself into as many corners as humanly possible. Right before I started writing How to Remember, which is the book that I've rewritten, you know, three times already, I said to myself, I am going to figure out what makes a story work. So I read Riot for Story, which someone mentioned in the Slack group the other day. That was me. The John Truby Anatomy of Story. I read the Save the Cat. I read pretty much like every book on structure that I could possibly find. And I think that even though all of my drafts have been completely different, the same the same story arc is there. So I've outlined every single version of this book that I've written. And I've also outlined probably 15 other outlines that were not accepted. So I've written this damn book so many different times. I can't like people come up to me and they're like, so how's your book going? (laughs) Uh, Patron came over Sunday. I think she said, and or no, we were closed Sunday, Saturday. 
And she said, so how's your book going? She's like, am I allowed to ask you that now? <laughs> I'm like, well, I just turned in version number three, but it's really version like 200. But, you know, the full like page one to page 300 rewrite. So I've gotten really good at outlining and I do like it. I, I really do. I, things do change every once in a while. I'll be writing along and then somebody will say something that I didn't expect and go, oh, crap. Then I have to change some stuff around. But I usually tend to adhere to the same general outline, which I think a lot, a lot, a lot before I even start the outline. I, I do a ton of research. I read and read and read. I mean, that really shouldn't surprise you. No way. The librarian reads. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. The librarian would never pick up a reference book. I've got Scrivener for dummies right here, by the way. Still trying to figure out the answer to Becca's <laughs> conundrum. Um, That's okay. I figured out a way around it. Oh, good. But I do use Scrivener. I outline everything in Scrivener, and I taught a class on it a couple times at the library. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. They're like, why don't you just use Word? But I find it easier to use my little virtual scene cards and see them all visually on the cork board before I start writing. And, and then I can move scenes around if I need to, although I, I rarely do that. So. I think Scrivener is great. It's one of those things where like uh, if, if you can – it's just whether or not you can get over the initial learning curve getting started because there's a lot they're throwing at you. Yeah, I think a lot of people just see it and they go, what? They're like, don't I just write? Why do I need something other than a blank page? And fair enough, you know, it's, but I think without Scrivener, because I used to just tack post-it notes onto a big wall in the basement. Yeah, that would work too. Like that's, that's how I do. And I guess, you know, I'm, I'm a pantser for scenes and things change as things progress, but I still like to write to beats, like the save the cat thing. Mm -hmm. I still like to try and figure out beats, but the beats change as I write. It's like, these people aren't doing what I want them to. <laughs> <laughs> I know I created them out of my own head, but oh, you know, like so many great plans I, I make for my own life, they just it just changes. I like that with Scrivener, I can move scenes around easily if I have to, but I still have to see it like physically before I do it. So I'll still do the index cards or the post-it notes and move them around physically, and then I go back to Scrivener and and move them within the document. Interesting. Yeah, Becca, you've you've shared some cool pictures. You were. You are kind of almost like a, I would call an artistic writer. You have like a very physical process. Like you've had like books and drawings and you'll do like collages of characters. Yeah. Well, that's all from the uh, book. Um, oh, what is it? It's the NaNoWriMo book. Uh, not Ready, no set, novel? Plot, no Ready, set, novel. I just yeah, got it the other day. It has all those prompts like that. Oh, it's really fun. But then the actual novel was not as cool as when I just do it. <laughs> kind of based on feeling, but it's a really cool book. So Chris, what's your writing process? How does that go? Uh, well, um, contrary to popular belief, I actually don't know what I'm doing. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's kind of akin to, you know, drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels and falling into a trance, passing out, and then a book appears before you when you wake up the next day. Uh, <laughs> that is magical. It, it, it is magical. It's straight up um, magic. Uh, well, Jealous. I mean, when I started writing, it was very much like, uh, like channeling or, or automatic writing, I kind of had this idea or an emotion or a picture of a scene that was, you know, all sorts of like recycled symbolism that I've seen in, you know, favorite movies or favorite stories. And I'd just kind of go out on a tangent. 
And that's really how I developed the first part of my writing uh, uh, career, if you can call it that. But now I, I tend to focus on a more uh, heavy world-building plotting uh, style. And I use a, you know the basic hero's journey, and I start plotting my points you know, out in a Word document, and then it gets more sophisticated from there when world-building comes into the equation because I'm a huge world-building nerd. I love figuring out all the different things that are never going to go into the book and nobody will ever know but me. Uh, and then somewhere about halfway through the outline, everything goes to shit. And then uh, <laughs> my characters don't do anything that I want them to. And, uh, and then we go from there. And then we write a new outline. And then we try to follow that one until I finally get done with them and either kill them all or, you know, just tell them that the story's over. <laughs> So a true god position, you just... Oh, it's totally Machiavellian. <laughs> Wonderful. But no, I, yeah, it, I think there's there's good good room for for pants, pantsing, plotting, and hybrids. Um, and I, I think that that's where true gold is found, is when you have a good idea of where you're going, and, and you're, you kind of have the flexibility to you know, shift gears and change. So kind of having like a... Yeah, you know, in in life coaching, there's this thing called uh, Odyssey planning, where you plan for like three or four potential futures, and so I think that you know that if you have a hybrid of plotting versus pantsing, you can have those sort of like alternate <laughs> universes where the book goes this way or it goes this way or it goes this way, and uh, and that would be that would be ideal. Um, whether or not somebody's developed that system in entirety yet, I am not sure. <laughs> Maybe we should be the first at writing block. Well, there you go. <laughs> what, what, wait, what's that called in the, the you were talking about Odyssey? Odyssey planning. Yeah, it was actually part of uh, the Design Your Life book and uh, and the workbook that came with it. It's kind of like uh, finding your purpose and uh, preparing for the eventual you know fact that whatever you initially planned out is probably not going to work out. So what are your it's not really backup plans, but like ulterior plans because things develop in in different ways that you can't foresee. So well, if if plot A doesn't work out, how's plot B, C, or D start to look? You know, uh, and and I think that applies in the same way to fiction because that's really all we're doing in life is plotting our own story, and fiction's really no different. That's really interesting. Is that my problem in my life? Is that I'm totally a pantser. And, <laughs> well, I, and like I said, that's how I started, and and I think it's a beautiful way to do things. However, I think when you when you get down to like a full novel, it can be can be awfully hard. At least in my case, I think some people are better at it than I am. But in my case, I go on on these tangents on things that I think are really cool. But will they be cool to anybody else? I think I've just discovered. I mean, I, I'm a pantser at life. <laughs> so my, where all my greatest and worst moments come from. That's... I think it's a direct correlation to everything that uh, happens in our lives based on how we write and what our style is like that you can pretty much tell what our life is like. So the pantsters oh, have no. the messy houses. The plotters <laughs> are hyper-organized and sterile. And I just super focus on my emotions until I make some sort of sense out of it. And that's how you were describing your beautiful writing process, so that makes <laughs> <Right>. sense. Exactly. <laughs> Are we figuring out ourselves? Are we, we're not only just talking about writing, we're, we're learning about ourselves. Writing is about learning about yourself. Writing this is, is life. This is just an ad for Chris's life coaching services. Yes. So now you just plug in your website there, sir. And <laughs> just go to wildwoodholistic.com and you too can learn how to schedule your life just like a novel. <laughs> or, or learn why it's all gone to shit because you're a pantser. Uh, 
oh man, you should totally make you should actually make a workshop that's like, what's your writing style? What's your lifestyle? <laughs> there, there well, are, we could work on that. We could work on that. I think that there's plenty of room for that. No, there there are a lot of correlations. It is interesting. Like I, I'm joking, especially when I say my life's gone to shit because it totally hasn't. But it's it's interesting because I've done so many things, and here I am. Just uh, I don't know if I planned on being a nurse, but here I am. Well, then... see exactly. It's you didn't <laughs> plan on any of it, so you're, <laughs> it didn't go to shit. You just didn't plan for anything. No, no, that's I, okay. And it certainly hasn't. I have amazing things going on. Uh, so it's the complete opposite. But um, it's amazing. And maybe when you that's don't plan what can happen. And maybe that's why I keep writing my novels that way. As it, it, it's actually always gone well, just to kind of see how things are going, weigh it out, and just trudge forward. Well, and I think that certain novels or certain types of storytelling lend themselves to the different styles. So uh, if you have like one or two characters that are your primary focus, I think pantsing is, is beautiful for that because you can really flow with that character. But if you're, say, George R. R. Martin... Ah, uh, uh, controversial oh, subject. Watch out. Right. You know, if you're something... <laughs> And, I, and my my style is very much like that. I like to have a lot of, a huge cast of characters, and so without that, I can lose myself really quick if I don't have a, a direction or a plot. Um, That's really to, interesting. To carry all those things across time, because then it's like, okay, so where the hell did this guy come from, or what happened to that guy six chapters ago? We haven't heard from him, and and I think without plotting, you can't really you can't tell a certain type of story. Again, like I said, pantsing it lends itself to like really cool, you know, intimate pieces where you're focusing on one, two, or three characters, you can really just flow uh, in the story. That's my two cents. And I appreciate it. I've had a revelation on my own just now. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> now, now just get that sound bite. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With the twinkling rainbow above our heads exactly, right now. Exactly. That's what we need. We need a lot. See, I think that's one of the things that's going to make this podcast really cool is is adding in fun elements like that. Especially from the <laughs> 80s. Um, <laughs> Particularly, 90s. yeah. Can we get like a He-Man theme song, maybe? I, I'm, I'm going to work on it. Because, yeah, we already featured the Final Countdown last podcast. Well, we're all from the 80s, aren't we? So it should be 80s themed. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. as I say, I experienced the 80s in full. It was a really weird time. Lots of weirdness. I, I still freak people out when I like tell them the kind of movies I watched growing up, like, the Neverending Story and Labyrinth, and uh, Labyrinth's my wife's favorite, and and I've I've found that there's there's only a few type of people in this world. Okay, there's there's the Dark Crystal people. Oh, that's an amazing. There's the Neverending amazing. Story people. There's the Labyrinth people, and there's the Legend people. Mm. And which okay, one are you, Chris? I'm a Neverending Story guy, although I have seen mm-hmm. all the rest of them. See, I, I I I'm with all. I have not Legend. Everything but legend. That's what kind of. I don't even. Wasn't legend just amazing though? I mean, come on. Can we? We should have a whole podcast devoted to the story of legend. See, I think I. I think you might be the only person on I that podcast. Think I haven't seen that. I'm. I'm sorry to break your heart. I don't think I've seen legend. <laughs> I don't. Well, think you I've have seen homework. Either. I either. You have homework. Oh, all boy. of you. If you haven't seen it, you guys go on, go get on your Amazon Prime and rent it tonight. I highly recommend that if, you know, marijuana is legal in your state, <laughs> you start out with that. It uh, really help things along. Well, you're coming from Colorado and specifically Denver. Cannabis so, capital. Well, you guys are decriminalizing mushrooms over there. You're having a, you're just setting up party. <clears throat> uh, well, yeah. <laughs> 
somebody's got to do it. But you're also everybody re- else is being boring. But you're also railing in the tax money, so hmm. Oh Could yes, I, and I, I've seen that of, of the platitude, the right drunk edit sober. Has that worked for you? Oh, no. any time that I've ever written intoxicated, it's turned out to be just. Uh, well, let's just call it embarrassing because uh, you know there are other words I could use. Uh, however, in idea stages, I've I've found some success being in a different state of consciousness. Uh, I think a lot of my ideas come from either a dream state or some sort of fugue state, like in between dream, where I get a really cool idea and then I wake up and I jot down a few you know basic ideas. Drunk, I don't think drunk ever really helped me in that department, even in generating ideas. Cannabis, on the other hand, has has a different story. <laughs> Literally, Indeed, completely different story. <laughs> you go, you go. Oh my god, that's a really good idea. I should probably get up to write it down. <laughs> nah, maybe not. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know about taking that advice to the right edit, uh, the the right drunk edit sober sort of thing, because that's from Hemingway, I believe, and uh, and that didn't end well um, mm-hmm. for him. It didn't. That wasn't a good end to his story. <laughs> well, if you do the primary job that you do drunk, it's probably never going to end up well mm-hmm. for you. Wise words. Especially Michael. <laughs> <laughs> what, the drunk nurse. But yeah, with the writers, what, Stephen King, that would be a different sort of like write drunk thing in his early career, right? Well, and uh, what did he write? Carry on cocaine, right? Well, I that's, think I, I that's heard- the legend. I'm pretty sure I read like the height of his stuff was the Tommy Knockers, which is it's a really terrible book. And um, and apparently that was like when he kind of decided to become sober. <laughs> I, I might be mistaken. I think I remember pulling that out of like his on writing book, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the best. Because that's that's actually that's uh, one of my favorite things about my writing process now is that. I don't know if I've just taken it from that or just just being a dad and and I'm always uh, I'm I'm pretty much a stay-at-home dad. I just work on the weekends cuz my wife's a kindergarten teacher. So I'm with my kids during the week. But so I'm constantly if I'm writing, it's it's a few minutes here, a few minutes there, or little breaks or during nap time and it's in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. Um I don't have a separate spot. I don't have like some big desk. I have a secretary that like one of those old-style desks that folds down. And I'll just pull my laptop out and do what I can when I can. And it's I think it actually helps my process. I, I like being involved in everything that's still going around. To me, being involved in my family is certainly a big deal. And I, I'm sure it is for, it's, it, it can be frustrating sometimes, but I know it is for you too, Becca. I've certainly seen the pictures and video of you having your own little kids crawling all over you while you're in the middle of trying to do yeah, things. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of struggle though. <laughs> like feeling like I'm not present with them enough but I'm trying to write around them. So I actually really liked Lainey Wild who did uh, who's done some guest posts for our site. She gave me the advice be interruptible and I try to take that mm. to heart. So when I'm that's writing around my kids, that's okay as long as I'm interruptible, but I struggle. <laughs> it's it's hard when you're trying to get into the zone to let yourself be interrupted, but that's my goal. Yeah, but another thing that's also good and I totally dig that uh, i'm i'm interruptible endlessly i don't i don't know if anybody would survive if i weren't but you know i play guitar too and you know that's not something you do with your kids but it's not like i'm just going to separate myself to do these things completely i actually think it's it's good to show your kids you actively in your interests right 
I, th- I think it's actually good for them to see you doing things totally and in- interested in things and actually having you know talents and, and interests that, that you're working on I mean my, my 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 daughter has written books you know they're little she'll ask me to staple things together so it's it's you know pretty cool that I mean I think I, I still have like a book she wrote and illustrated and had my wife staple together so she could give it to me for my birthday last year. Aww. That's awesome. And I was like, God, oh, you have no idea how much that means to me. Because that, that's a reflection. You know, that's, that means yeah. that she really actually likes what I do, even though she has no idea what I'm really doing while I do it. She just, she likes the example. Um, of course, she doesn't know half the shit I'm writing, but hers is very cute and sweet. Um, hmm and uh, and very intelligent but it's i think that's uh, a great part of my writing process too is still kind of sharing it and it's kind of amazing then when i do have that alone time to work on something how much i can get done and how quickly and my focus i've gotten so good at being able to focus with so much going on around me that when i actually have quiet or i'm actually sitting in a coffee shop only writing i can get focused stay focused do so much more than I could have before before I had the experience of trying to work around kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I primarily get most of my writing done in a coffee shop. I <clears throat> I have a perfectly good desk here that I can't, you know, at the house that I can't get a damn thing done with, you know. <laughs> so I it's like I thrive on the noise, the clanking of cups or, you know, people talking and it's also good for dialogue, I think. Uh being in 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 an environment where people are moving around or talking, you, you observe things differently, you know? Um, and that, you know, that comes into like your subconscious mind is checking all this stuff out whenever you're in a coffee shop or you're observing your kids and you're, you're observing these things and, and, and they become part of your, your process and, 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 and how you create uh, livable scenes, you know, in a, in a story. So I think there's, there's some value to it. You know, it, I think the old trope of, the writer who secludes himself in a cabin just is not functional, at least not in this day and age. As much as I would love to lock myself in a cabin somewhere and write, I don't think I could actually do it. Yeah, oh, yeah I'm going to get to do it for a weekend. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, where are you headed? Like, you got the, like, ultimate writer's Mother's Day gift. Yeah, it is a ranch bed and breakfast in Southern California wine country. I'm going to stay in the surf themed room. It's awesome. And there are baby goats on the property. Well, you're not getting any work done. <laughs> I know. I'm just going to sit out there and pet the goats the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> just take this big notebook She's... with good intentions, but feed every page to a baby goat. Cause... It, the goats, they ate my book. <laughs> I couldn't write. I was too distracted by them eating everything I was working on. Goats are amazing. And there's the end of the podcast. <laughs> yes, goats are amazing. <laughs> we, we could title it "Goats Are Amazing." Our the writing block podcast writing process. Goats are amazing. Well, everyone has their own writing goat, right? <laughs> I have oh, a writing goat. Well, now I'm getting one. I know what to ask for for my birthday. <laughs> a writing, writing goat. goat. All right. So, who's tackling the blog on getting your own writing goat this week? <laughs> uh, I'm just. I think I'm just going to quit all this and start a writing goat farm. So <laughs> now that I know that there's a well, market, you're going to have to, you're going to have to call me cause I'm registering the domain right now. <laughs> Writinggoatfarm.com. All right. I just bought Mike's goats. So, <laughs> so there you go. Mike's writing goats. Touche. But yeah, actually I think that is a good place to, to wrap things up. So thank you all for, for sharing. We've, uh, 
Unfortunately, we lost Carrie Dubiel, <laughs> thanks to technical difficulties. She was eaten by the riding goat. <laughs> she was eaten by the riding goat. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll try to you know get her back. We'll we'll do some riding goat surgery and we'll we'll bring her back. Um, I don't think this is gonna. This is never gonna end, is it? Riding mm, goats? No, it's not. Um, oh, we need we need some red bubble merchandise. Maybe I can convince Phil Rude is a part of this next uh, anthology, and he's an amazing illustrator. So maybe we can get him to illustrate the riding goat for us. Yes, can be our master. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen him draw goats. I mean, whatever he draws is just damn magical. We'll get to that probably on the next <laughs> podcast. We should talk more about the next anthology, but. Until then, uh, thank you all for sharing your writing process in a little bit, and uh, I look forward to the next conversation with everybody. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. All right, and thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Writing Block Podcast. Our series will continue, featuring interviews with authors and more detailed discussion aimed toward helping all indie authors navigate the difficult roads of the publishing industry. The next podcast will feature author Lainey Wild, and we are looking forward to it. We hope you join us at our website, writingblock.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, find a copy of our short story anthology, Escape, and read detailed articles about the indie author experience. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Writing Block, no K. Thank you for listening, and happy writing.